Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. The Law School of America. In the USA, the rescue doctrine of the law of torts holds that if a tortfeasor creates a circumstance that places the tort victim in danger, the tortfeasor is liable not only for the harm caused to the victim, but also the harm caused to any person injured in an effort to rescue that victim. This doctrine was originally promulgated by Benjamin N. Cardozo in the 1921 case, Wagner v. International Railway Company. There, writing for the Court of Appeals of New York, which is the Supreme Court of that state, Cardozo stated, danger invites rescue. The cry of distress is the summons to relief, the emergency begets the man. The wrongdoer may not have foreseen the coming of a deliverer. He is accountable as if he had. The rescue doctrine was established 19 years later, in the landmark case of Cote v. Palmer. Essentially, the rescue doctrine means that the rescuer can recover damages from a defendant when the rescuer is injured rescuing someone. The defendant is usually negligent in causing the accident to occur. Other cases have occurred where the plaintiff is injured rescuing the defendant and is able to collect damages. In Wagner v. International Railway, riders on the defendant's trains were allowed to walk between cars while the train was moving. In one incident, a rider fell through the cars. The plaintiff, trying to help the fallen rider, was injured himself slash herself. The court found the defendant liable because of negligence to allow riders to walk between cars while the train was moving. The aforementioned example is a reference to the concept that danger invites rescue. Whoever caused the accident will be liable for any subsequent accident which develops as a result of the original accident. Essentially, in its pure form the rescue doctrine boils down to four main elements, all of which must be met in order to bring it to bear for the person asserting its privilege. 1. There must be peril or the appearance of peril to a third party, caused by the defendant. 2. That peril or appearance of peril must be imminent. 3. A reasonable person would recognize the peril or appearance of peril and the plaintiff must also have actually recognized it. 4. The plaintiff must have exercised reasonable care in effecting the rescue. A duty to rescue is a concept in tort law that arises in a number of cases, describing a circumstance in which a party can be held liable for failing to come to the rescue of another party who could face potential injury or death without being rescued. In common law systems, it is rarely formalized in statutes which would bring the penalty of law down upon those who fail to rescue. This does not necessarily obviate a moral duty to rescue. The law is binding and carries government-authorized sanctions and awarded civil penalties. There are also separate ethical arguments for a duty to rescue even where law does not punish failure to rescue. Common law system. In the common law of most English-speaking countries, there is no general duty to come to the rescue of another. Generally, a person cannot be held liable for doing nothing while another person is in peril. However, such a duty may arise in two situations. A duty to rescue arises where a person creates a hazardous situation. If another person then falls into peril because of this hazardous situation, the creator of the hazard, who may not necessarily have been a negligent tortfeasor, has a duty to rescue the individual in peril. Such a duty may also arise where a special relationship exists. For example, Parents have a duty to rescue their minor children. This duty also applies to those acting in loco parentis, such as schools or babysitters. Common carriers have a duty to rescue their patrons. Employers have an obligation to rescue employees, under an implied contract theory. 
In some U.S. jurisdictions, real property owners have a duty to rescue invitees but not trespassers from all reasonably foreseeable dangers on the property. Other jurisdictions, such as California, extend the duty to rescue to all persons who enter upon real property regardless whether they are classified as invitees, social guests or trespassers. Spouses have a duty to rescue each other in all U.S. jurisdictions. In the United States, as of 2009, 10 states had laws on the books requiring that people at least notify law enforcement of and or seek aid for strangers in peril under certain conditions. California, Florida, Hawaii, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Ohio, Rhode Island, Vermont, Washington, and Wisconsin. These laws are also referred to as Good Samaritan laws, despite their difference from laws of the same name that protect individuals who try to help another person. These laws are rarely applied, and are generally ignored by citizens and lawmakers. Where a duty to rescue arises, the rescuer must generally act with reasonable care, and can be held liable for injuries caused by a reckless rescue attempt. However, many states have limited or removed liability from rescuers in such circumstances, particularly where the rescuer is an emergency worker. Furthermore, the rescuers need not endanger themselves in conducting the rescue. Civil Law System Many civil law systems, which are common in continental Europe, Latin America and much of Africa, impose a far more extensive duty to rescue. The duty is usually limited to doing what is reasonable. In particular, a helper does not have to substantially endanger themselves. This can mean that anyone who finds someone in need of medical help must take all reasonable steps to seek medical care and render best effort first aid. Commonly, the situation arises in the event of a traffic accident. Other drivers and passers-by must take an action to help the injured without regard to possible personal reasons not to help, for example, having no time, being in a hurry, or ascertain that help has been requested from officials. Shipping. A duty to rescue arises under international shipping law. A ship that is in a position to provide assistance to persons in distress at sea must do so. The requirement is found in the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea and represents customary international law. Regulations by country. In some countries, there exists a legal requirement for citizens to assist people in distress, unless doing so would put themselves or others in harm's way. Citizens are often required to, at minimum, call the local emergency number, unless doing so would be harmful, in which case the authorities should be contacted when the harmful situation has been removed. As of 2012, there were such laws in several countries. Canada. In Quebec, which makes use of civil law, there is a general duty to rescue in its Charter of Rights. Every human being whose life is in peril has a right to assistance. Every person must come to the aid of anyone whose life is in peril, either personally or calling for aid, by giving him the necessary and immediate physical assistance, unless it involves danger to himself or a third person, or he has another valid reason. Criminal law in Canada is under the exclusive jurisdiction of the federal government, so failure to comply with an article of the Charter in Quebec does not constitute a criminal offence except if by doing so a party also violates the criminal code. Other provinces follow common law. In Canadian air law, it is mandatory to make oneself and one's aircraft available to aid search and rescue efforts if the aircraft is in the immediate area and a distress signal is received. Ethical justifications. Legal requirements for a duty to rescue do not pertain in all nations, states, or localities. However, a moral or ethical duty to rescue may exist even where there is no legal duty to rescue. There are a number of potential justifications for such a duty. One sort of justification is general and applies regardless of role-related relationships, doctor to patient, firefighter to citizen, etc. Under this general justification, persons have a duty to rescue other persons in distress by virtue of their common humanity, 
regardless of the specific skills of the rescuer or the nature of the victim's distress. These would justify cases of rescue and in fact make such rescue a duty even between strangers. They explain why philosopher Peter Singer suggests that if one saw a child drowning and could intervene to save him, they should do so, if the cost is moderate to themselves. Damage to their clothing or shoes or how late it might make them for a meeting would be insufficient excuses to avoid assistance. Singer goes on to say that one should also attempt to rescue distant strangers, not just nearby children, because globalization has made it possible to do so. Specific arguments for such a duty to rescue include, but are not limited to. The golden rule, treat others as one would wish to be treated. This assumes that all persons would wish to be rescued if they were in distress, and so they should in turn rescue those in distress to the best of their abilities. What counts as distress requiring rescue may, of course, differ from person to person, but being trapped or at risk of drowning are emergency situations which this position assumes all humans would wish to be rescued from. Utilitarianism Utilitarianism posits that those actions are right which best maximize happiness and reduce suffering, maximize the good. Utilitarian reasoning generally supports acts of rescue which contribute to overall happiness and reduced suffering. Rule utilitarianism would look not just at whether individual acts of rescue maximize the good, but whether certain types of acts do so. It then becomes one's duty to perform those types of actions. Generally, having strangers rescue those in distress maximizes good so long as the rescue attempt does not make things worse, so one has a duty to rescue to the best of her or his ability as long as doing so will not make things worse. Humanity the rules of humanity advise that the essence of morality and right behavior is tending to human relationships. Therefore, virtues, desirable character traits, such as compassion, sympathy, honesty, and fidelity are to be admired and developed. Acting out of compassion and sympathy will often require rescue where someone is in need. Indeed, it would not be compassionate to ignore someone's need, though the way one fulfills that need may vary. In cases of emergency, Rescue would be the most compassionate act compared with allowing a person to remain trapped in rubble. There are also ethical justifications for role-specific or skill-specific duties of rescue such as those described above under the discussion of U.S. common law. Generally, these justifications are rooted in the idea that the best rescues, the most effective rescues, are done by those with special skills. Such persons, when available to rescue, are thus even more required to do so ethically than regular persons who might simply make things worse. For a utilitarian, rescue by a skilled professional in a relevant field would maximize the good even better than rescue by a regular stranger. This particular ethical argument makes sense when considering the ability firefighters to get both themselves and victims safely out of a burning building, or of healthcare personnel such as physicians, nurses, physicians' assistants, and EMTs to provide medical rescue. These are some of the ethical justifications for a duty to rescue, and they may hold true for both regular citizens and skilled professionals even in the absence of legal requirements to render aid. Case Law United States In an 1898 case, Book v. Emory Manufacturing Company, 1898, the New Hampshire Supreme Court unanimously held that after an eight-year-old boy negligently placed his hand in the defendant's machinery, the boy had no right to be rescued by the defendant. Beyond that, the trespassing boy could be held liable for damages to the defendant's machine. In the 1907 case People v. Beardsley, Beardsley's mistress, Blanche Burns, passed out after overdosing on morphine. Rather than seek medical attention, Beardsley instead had a friend hide her in the basement, and Burns died a few hours later. Beardsley was tried and convicted of manslaughter for his negligence. However, his conviction was reversed by the Supreme Court of Michigan saying that Beardsley had no legal obligation to her. Some states such as Minnesota, Vermont, 
and Rhode Island make it a misdemeanor offense if it is known that someone is in serious danger and someone can intervene safely or call 911 and they do not. The Law School of America. The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation Incorporated under a Creative Commons Attribution, Share Alike license. The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The Law School of America.